Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very senior and accomplished professional from California, USA, Mr. Dilip G. Saraf. Dilip, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Ashutosh. I'm honored that, uh, you know, you're talking to me in this way, and I'm impressed by the work you've done with others. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Dilip is the Chief Executive Officer, uh, Executive Coach and of Career, Trans Career Transitions Unlimited. He's LinkedIn's top career coach, now in his fifth year in five industries, has authored five books and over 600 blogs, blogs on leadership and career topics. So Dilip, before we talk about leadership, Tell me about your own journey in brief. Very good. Okay, I came out of IIT Bombay in 1964. And uh, that time I decided to join a major conglomerate as a senior management trainee mm -hmm. in Delhi. And I did that for about three years and I realized that that's not what I want to pursue as my life career. Mm -hmm. And so I came to Stanford in 68, did my master's, worked in the high-tech industry when Silicon Valley was really exploding at the time in, in early 70s, as you probably know. Yep. So it was a great place to be. And I was mostly research and development kind of a expert at that time. And I did that for about 20 years, uh, finished that stint as a vice president of engineering of a major conglomerate division. Mm -hmm. And then I got laid off and I was 50 years old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just closed the whole division. Mm -hmm. And here, this is 30 years ago now. And so at that time, I said, you know, I'm 50 here. I can probably find another job in that kind of capacity. But then what do I do when I get laid off at 60 or 70? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I decided to reinvent myself and started working with biotech companies. Mm -hmm. And at that time, AIDS was a big deal. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I worked with biotech. That's my second career. Then I did that for about four years. Then I became a marketing consultant for companies mm. like Hewlett Packard, Goodyear, mm. and Motorola and others. Did that for six years. And then I decided to do training and development as my next stint. Mm. Did that for four years. And that brought us to 2000, which is when Silicon Valley was imploding. Mm. And so I decided that what a better way to use all my reinvention codified over the years to help thousands and thousands of engineers how to mm. reinvent. And so I've been doing this career coaching, executive coaching for the last 23 years. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So Dilip, uh, let's talk about leadership and executive uh, development as a tool for rapid career growth. You've been in the US since 1968, you just mentioned. All right. How has the definition of leadership evolved over the years? That's a very interesting question. So let me give you my take on it because I worked with over 7,000 people now. Yeah. And the concept of leadership has not changed, mm -hmm. but the definition of leadership has changed mm -hmm. over the years in the sense that people don't understand when you ask them, what is leadership? And they say, well, I'm not a leader. I'm just an individual contributor. Mm -hmm. And they confuse leadership with management. Mm. And they say, well, I'm not a manager. I said, but you are still a leader. Yeah. Right? 
And people have a hard time accepting that kind of a label on themselves because mm -hmm. they say, then I ask them and then it kind of light bulb goes on. So you're telling me that you're just an order taker. Is that right? Mm. And they say, oh, no, 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 no. I do my stuff. Tell me what you do. Mm. And they say that's leadership, mm. right? So that's one part of it. And the second part of it is management to me is a nurture skill. Correct. Leadership is a nature skill. People mm. are born with leadership genes, mm. right? So leadership, almost like an IQ, if you want to call it that way, mm. And management is like EQ, which you, right. you can develop, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take a leader who is good at what they do in their specific area and coach them to management practices, mm -hmm. then they, what I call, become a management leader, which is more a precise term mm -hmm. than a leader or a manager, because there are managers who are not leaders mm -hmm. and leaders who don't manage. I'm mm -hmm. sure you've seen that. Yeah. But if you good, take a good leader and give them through, get them through what I call management discipline, which mm -hmm. is a nurture skill, mm -hmm. then they become what I call a management leader. Well, so I'm very specific about using this term. Now, this management leader term came mm -hmm. almost 60, 70 years ago, but it confuses people. But to me, that clarity kind of is important. Well, sir, I love this nurture versus nature uh, differentiation that you've created. Thank you. My next sure. question, Dilip, is what role does emotional intelligence play in leadership and how can this be cultivated? That's a very good question. So here is the thing that people often mistaken as a success factor in their careers. They think that I graduated with 4.0, you know, I should be successful because I have such a high IQ. And what I found over the years is that IQ and your degrees and all of that are what I call anti or table stakes. Mm -hmm. Once you go through that entry point into a job market, mm -hmm. what really matters is your ability to build relationships, mm -hmm. to connect with people, to exchange ideas, and, and to be a team player. All of those require EQ. Mm -hmm. And there are five components to an EQ. Mm -hmm. Awareness of self, yeah. self-control, mm -hmm. motivation, mm. empathy, and communication. These are five elements of emotional intelligence. Right. And these are, once again, nurtured skills. Like IQ is a nature skill. Mm. You're born with it. You can't change it. But EQ you can build. And I think what I found, and what I think I know, mm. what I found is the success of people who are very smart, is driven by not their smartness, mm. but their ability to build their EQ muscle right. over the years. And I'll give you an example. I have two gold medalists from IITs, mm -hmm. right? They came to me several years ago. Mm. And they said, Dilip, I'm just a first-level manager, and my boss, who is a director, just came from Santa Clara University. Mm. I have an MBA from Stanford. I'm an IIT gold medalist. Why am I not, you know, at least a director? Mm -hmm. And I go through some of their hurdles and they're all anchored in EQ deficiency. Correct. And well, I don't know if that sense to you, well, but that's where, yeah. uh, that's where the game is. Amazing. And therefore your response takes me to my logical next question. How does one differentiate between leadership potential and immediate leadership capability? 
That's that's a great question. So as I said before, and I like that mental model hmm. of leadership being a nature skill and management being a nurture skill. Right. So somebody has a leadership potential. Hmm. If there is a challenge in front of them, they will face it with their leadership muscle. Mm -hmm. Right? So you cannot hide it. Right. It's just there, it's manifest, right? And so that's what I call an episodic manifestation of leadership. Mm -hmm. And once you see that spark, you are basically a leader that has to lead and be in that space and do things in the way that gives you that power of leadership. Mm. So my answer to the question, and I don't know if that answers what you asked, but mm. this is how I see it, that you cannot hide your leadership talent. Right. And when that spark ignites, you just run with it and people see it and you become mm. a leader. And then if you take the management and all of that discipline under you as a nurture skill, mm. then you become truly a management leader, as I was saying before. Great so response. that's my take and that's my mental model. <laughs> no, that's a great response. Yeah. Another associated question relates to culture. Mm -hmm. And you live in probably one of the most culturally diverse countries in the world, in the US. Right. How important yeah. is culture, is a culture of continuous learning in fostering leadership growth? Wow. Okay, now culture is part of what I call it the fabric of your environment, especially mm. your company. And growth mindset is what makes a leader mm. more and more effective. Mm. And what happens at this in the evolution of a leadership, there are what I call crucible moments in your mm -hmm. life, right? And those crucible moments decide and define your leadership ambit, I call it. What is the reach of your leadership and where you see your limitations? And mm -hmm. once you kind of have that revelation, you say that, you know, I lack this or I need this or people don't respond to me. Mm -hmm. I fail to inspire people in critical moments. Those are what I call crucible moments. Mm -hmm. And those crucible moments kind of shape your leadership. And that's where your growth mindset, your continuous learning, and your ability to expand your, what I call, from brain to mind. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Because brain is a limited entity. There's a fixed hardware, fixed software. But mind is truly infinite. Mm -hmm. And if you can make the connection between your brain and your mind, you will be on that growth path. Mm -hmm. And that's where you need to nurture yourself to constantly meet those challenges. Mm. Well said, sir. Um, my next question is on technology. And, you know, you've been in technology 1964 batch of IIT. Um, so you've seen technology changing. But how is technology changing the leadership paradigm in the world? Okay, so let's look at technology in the context of its true meaning, right? Hmm. A lot of the times, people restrict their context of technology as electrons and silicon and servers and networks, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the most yeah. obvious example of what technology is. But technology is much broader than that. Mm -hmm. The biotechnology, there's a training technology, there's a marketing yeah. technology, there is 
all kinds of technologies that have evolved over the years. Right. Now, for the last 75 years, I would say, since the inception of transistor, almost all technologies, not just the silicon technology, have exploded over the last 75 years, yeah. more than over the last 10,000 years, as mm -hmm. you can probably imagine, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And AI and chat GPT and yeah. these things, the most recent examples of it, the explosion of them. And so my view is, in the olden days, people use their leadership by trial and error. Mm -hmm. And I witnessed that in India when I was three years as a management mm -hmm. training. Mm -hmm. Technology was in the nascency yep. then, technology as we see it today. And what I saw was, this is one of the largest conglomerates in India, mm -hmm. right? And whatever the head guy said, I won't tell you who that was, yep. people just took it for granted. And they struggled with it. They did trial and error and didn't work. They got fired. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question, what technology has done across all of these facets of it, not mm -hmm. just silicon and electrons and all that. Yeah is it has made a bigger discipline, a better discipline of leadership because new models have emerged of leadership. Trial mm -hmm. and error has taken over by data. Mm -hmm. Information has become more democratic across yeah. top to bottom, Yeah. right? So leadership as an entity now stands out in much stronger relief than it was say 100 years ago. Correct. Because people just did what leaders thought, like, you know, Henry Ford or whoever, right? And so my view of the evolution of leadership with technology is mm -hmm. technology has made leaders far more effective mm -hmm. in view of these things. Trial and error has taken place, gone away. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of is my view yeah. of it. Yeah, no, that's well said and a great response. Thank you. Uh, my next question, Dilip, is, is there a link between ethical decision-making and effective leadership in today's world? Wow. Okay, so here is my take a little bit in a nuanced way. Mm. In the Western thought, ethical decisions are a binary case. Mm. In other words, are you ethical, you're not ethical. Correct. Well, he's, he's, he's immoral, he's unethical. Yeah. And what happens is with that kind of a pressure on leader in the Western context, mm. right? People tend to take shortcuts, what I call expediency and morality. In right. other words, how can I fake my quarterly results so my stock goes up next quarter, right? I mean, that's an expediency in morality without regard to what the true ethics are, right? Yeah. And so they get into trouble because of that view of how ethics works mm. for anybody and how people interpret their actions. Now, if you take the, the Indian view, what I call the Dharma view, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Dharma is a very nuanced concept, which mm -hmm. is very individualistic. Correct. It includes your duty. It includes the law. Mm -hmm. It includes your morality. It includes your obligations. It includes your purpose, Correct. right? And if you're truly centered on your purpose mm -hmm. internally, then you know what the right decision is mm -hmm. as a virtue of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so my view is to be ethical, you need to take a more nuanced approach of what ethics is or are mm -hmm. 
And I personally like to see the 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 Indian approach, the Vedic approach of Dharma mm. as the uh, benchmark, if you want to call it that, or as the gold standard of what ethics is. Yeah. Go to the Western thinking, it creates this problem and gets into trouble. Mm. That's my view. And so I think ethics are very important. Yeah. But people have to accept this view. Mm. Well said. And um what do you think is the role of diversity, equity, and inclusion in today's corporates to shape tomorrow's leaders? Wow. Okay, so what is happening? You know, every so often, these kind of waves of fads, I call them, come in, mm. and people jump on the bandwagon. It's mm. called a bandwagon effect. And my view is, done correctly, mm diversity, equity, and inclusion can be of great benefit to a company as well as to its employees. Mm. But now that it has become a bandwagon effect, I call it, people at the top, like a CEO says, we are now committed to DEI, mm. do whatever it takes to make things right. Correct. But the actual nuanced approach to diversity mm. is not just diversity of color or ethnic or linguistic or whatever background it is, the true effectiveness of diversity comes from what I call cognitive diversity. Mm. If in a team mm. you have diverse people with cognitive diversity, mm. Google has done research over years and years and years, and what they found was the most effective team comes out of cognitive diversity, mm -hmm. not of ethnic diversity, not of you know yep. religious diversity, not. And now, if you layer that on top mm. with cultural and ethnic and age and gender and all those diversities, mm -hmm. but the cognitive diversity has the foundational <laughs> team building block. Mm. So that's the D part, mm. right? The E part is the equity part, and for equity to really happen. People have to feel like I have equal voice. Mm -hmm. And you have to, as a leader, give them that voice in a meeting. Mm. If somebody is quiet, you say, Jim, you haven't said anything. We want to hear what you, what's on your mind. Mm. That's kind of an equity, creating a level equal field, mm. right? Mm. And inclusion has to do with, uh, you know, do I feel included even though I'm an Indian, even though I have an accent, even though... I am 80 years old or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, so so that's the equity part. So the so what has happened is companies have arbitrarily said, we'll do DEI blindsided, you know, mm -hmm. with, with blind with closed eyes. And I'll give an example with a client of mine. He's a very capable, in fact, he's the best in the lot. He's a vice president at a $2 billion company. Mm -hmm. And this DE thing came down from the CEO. Mm -hmm. And he was the next in there are five people in his. VP role, and he was next to be promoted. And they promoted the least performing woman. Mm -hmm. And now the team is falling apart. Many people are leaving. You see how that yeah, hurts both the team I'm and the company. Mm -hmm. And so, so my point is, I don't want to give a long lecture here, mm -hmm. but the point is people have to understand what it means and give them the freedom at all levels, mm -hmm. not just aid it from the top. Mm -hmm. But to tell them what it means and tell them how they can operationalize it, most people don't do that. They just jump on the bandwagon and screw themselves. Well said. So I have time for two more questions for you. Yeah. My next question is that 
if you were to look into your crystal ball, yeah, what do you anticipate as the next big shift or change in leadership and executive development? So here is what my view is after working with so many people at mm. various levels. That the world is getting more and more complex. Mm -hmm. There are just too many variables. Not only that, but too many what I call black swan events. Mm -hmm. Like pandemic, like this thing has happened in Libya and has happened in Morocco and Correct. You know, Hawaii. And mm -hmm. It's all black swan event, right? Mm -hmm. And they will keep happening because of this thing that we have created for ourselves as a result of our past, you know, sins, if you want to call it that. <clears throat> and so in this level of complexity, providing steadfast leadership is one of the hardest tasks. Mm -hmm. And what people mistakenly do is they look for best practices. Mm -hmm. They look for some ready-made tools. They mm -hmm. look for some imitations that, oh, GE is doing this, so let's do that, right, kind of thing. Yeah. What they fail to see is their internal powers of leadership that I, what I started saying earlier to you, mm -hmm. basically shifting your mind from brain to your mind. Mm -hmm. People think, you know, I have a big brain, I'm very smart, but what they fail to see is the real power comes from the mind, not from the brain. Right. And if you are on the right path, and I found this for myself, if you are on the right path for yourself, mm -hmm. P being a capital P, right? Yeah. What you are able to do is you are able to tap into what I call the universal consciousness, mm. right? So your mind is like an antenna that can receive these signals from universal consciousness when you are in that flow state, mm -hmm. right? And then the brain takes that signal like a radio and plays it out as you want to execute it. Mm. So to answer your question, what I'm saying to you is, if you merely rely on your brain <clears throat> to help you through these crisis moments and the complexity that we face, mm. you will fail as a leader. Well said. But you tap into your mind and plug into what I call Sachitananda, you know, I don't mm. know that. I'm aware of that, yeah. And so Sachitananda to me means, Sat means true, right? Chit means Chaitanya, which mm. is consciousness, universal yep. consciousness. Yep. And Ananda means the bliss that flows from it. Correct. That's my view. Mm. So, so if you can do that transformation mm. in your brain, in your mind, and in your, what I call metanoia, mm. then you will be unstoppable leader. Well said, well said. And that's the transition one needs to make. Agree with you. And my last question to you, and this is for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation, as someone who understands leadership so well, as someone who's been coaching for over two decades and therefore understands management and how to support so many people, yeah. what would you say, Dilip, are three lessons you would want a lot of our viewers and listeners to take away? Wow. Okay, so the three lessons would be, the first one would be, Learning how to manage complexity mm. by not just looking at your immediate environment, mm. 
but how do you affect the whole ecosystem around you? Mm. And that requires a higher level of thinking, leadership, and mindset. Mm. So that's my first takeaway, I would say, that is important to me. Right. The second one would be what I just said earlier, mm. that you need to learn how to tap into that inner power through mm. your mind mm. rather than merely looking at your brain and looking at best practices mm. and reading books, and which is all good. Mm. That will be limiting you if you don't tap into your mind. Correct. And what I call the chi, mm. Satchitananda <laughs> yep. in, in my mind map, you know. Mm. And there is a concept of what is called metanoia in mm. biblical terms. And also uh, Gandhi talked about you should change your own mind first mm. before you change the world. And that's basically what metanoia is. Mm -hmm. So you need to make this mental shift. Mm that I'm going to rely on something more than my brain to help mm. me. Mm. And that's the second lesson I would say that mm. leaders need to embrace. Yeah. The other way to say that is smart versus wise. Be wise and not just smart. Correct. Right? Correct. And the third lesson I would say based on a discussion about the ethical dilemma that we talked about, mm. that I think we need to embrace a more nuanced view of what ethics are or ethics mm. is and try to understand the concept of dharma as it applies to ethics. Mm. And the intent is more important than actions when you take Correct. that view. Correct. Right. And even Gita says that. Yeah. Intent is more important than actions. Well said. Well you said. Create a wrong action, but your intent is pure mm. based on dharma, then it's ethical, right? And most people have trouble with that. Well said, well said. Those are the uh, three things I would say that stand out to me. No, these are great lessons. But on that note, and your three amazing lessons, learn to manage complexity and understand how you impact the ecosystem. Second, you said, which is so, so, so powerful. Tap into your inner, inner power with your mind. And the third one you said was embrace a more nuanced view of ethics in and I think you've taken us back into a lot of our own scriptures, whether it's Dharma, whether it's Sachitananda. Thank you, Dilip, for speaking to me about your own amazing journey. Thank you for speaking to me about so many different aspects of leadership. Thank you again and good luck. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye you. now. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.